Thanks for <clears throat> showing up on this, I think, spring day. Uh, it's coming, for sure. Um, we had a, an interesting book study this past week. I learned a great deal. Uh, and one of the things that I learned that was quite surprising to me um, was we were talking about the Eightfold Path in the Thich Nhat Hanh's um, The Heart of the Buddha's Teaching. And we, uh, we came up to write mindfulness. Right? <clears throat> and I was kind of shocked uh, to discover that there is a right mindfulness. Um, it seems almost self-evident that mindfulness is always right. Right? That it's almost redundant to say right mindfulness. Uh, but as we explored this uh, notion of right mindfulness, it became, I think, pretty clear that there are forms of mindfulness that are not quite right. Uh, not particularly that they're wrong, because the Eightfold Path is not about right and wrong. It's about just right and not quite right. <clears throat> so we explored what it might mean to say that mindfulness might not be quite right. And one of the, one of the ways in which right, mindfulness might not be quite right is if you, if it becomes a habit. And we, we've been kind of skirting around the issue of habits uh, lately, the habit of sitting. Um, but if you consider habits, <clears throat> the very notion of habit is, is, is antithetical to our practice. Even the habit of sitting is not quite right. So, for example, uh, I have a habit of um, eating too much ice cream. Um, I, once I start on ice cream, I can, I can have a, a half a cup of ice cream, and inevitably, as soon as I get that taste in my mouth, I'm on my way to the freezer for just a little bit more. And having practiced for over 35 years, I noticed that when I am going to the freezer for the next bowl of ice, the next little bit of ice cream, which then turns out to be a little bit more and then a little bit more and, until I finish the entire pint. Um, and 
as I'm walking to the freezer, I'm very mindful, I think. <laughs> okay, Mado, now you're getting up from your chair. You're walking toward the freezer. Uh, you're opening the freezer. You're taking out the ice cream. You're putting your spoon in the ice cream, <clears throat> in the pint of ice cream, and you're filling up your bowl. And now you're walking back to the table and now you're eating the ice cream and now you finish the ice cream and you're aware that it's probably not a good idea to go back to the freezer but yet you are getting up and you're you're walking yes you're walking you're continuing to walk uh, you're continuing to feel like this is not the best thing for you but you're reaching, opening the door of the freezer, and this goes on. You know you're doing this, you know you're doing this, you know you're doing this, and you get into a kind of what I would call a trance. <laughs> it's a mindfulness trance. It doesn't change anything about your behavior, but you're just aware in a sort of trance-like way of what you're doing. Uh, it's kind of, it's kind of like staring at reality, just staring at it in a generally mindful way. That is not quite the right kind of mindfulness that we're practicing. We're not just kind of practicing staring at reality or getting into some kind of generalized trance in which our mind is just hovering over what we're doing. So we don't want to, we, we, we don't want to encourage a life that is living like a trance-like existence in which we're just in a kind of zombie-like way staring at things and noting exactly what we're doing. The other form of mindfulness that isn't quite right is the, the obsessive, obsessiveness, uh, the obsessive mindfulness, which is, can be extremely, can create a lot of suffering, in which you are so acutely aware of every single detail that you you feel overwhelmed by having to pay so much attention to every single thing and you become e extremely absorbed in attentiveness. So it's almost like having an addiction to being mindful. <laughs> that is not we are we're so attached, we have to be mindful every single minute for every single detail of our lives. And that is very, very challenging, almost impossible to do. And so we become obsessed with mindfulness. That, oh my God, I wasn't mind. I didn't notice that. That escaped me. Oh my God, that's terrible. I wasn't mindful of every single moment. So we become attached to our practice. 
it's, that's not quite the right kind of mindfulness either. So, what is, the, what is right mindfulness? Um, and by the way, I'd like to stop before, because we, we don't have a discussion today, so I'd like to give, give us an opportunity to talk a little bit. Five or ten minutes or so? That's yeah, okay. yeah. Um, right mindfulness is a kind of um, freshness, a kind of spontaneous presence, to each moment as it arises. So, making a habit of our practice is kind of antithetical to that. In fact, habits themselves are kind of antithetical to Zen. Because if we understand what a habit is, if we and I didn't look this up in the dictionary, I probably should have, but I think we all have a generalized sense of what a habit is, a kind of repetitive action that we don't have to spend too much time thinking about. It's just sort of, we're on automatic pilot. We just keep doing it. Sometimes this in Zen, in Buddhist practice, we call this samsara. We just keep the wheel turning even though we, we're not fully, fully aware and fully present to each moment. So, if we approach each moment and live in the present moment, habits don't arise. They are, there's no past and there's no future, so a habit doesn't get generated and it doesn't continue. So sometimes we say, I have a bad habit. Like I have a bad habit of eating too much ice cream. That's not quite right. Um, I eat too much ice cream this time and I eat too much ice cream this time, and this time. Each time is unique. So to establish a habit is to avoid living in the present moment. When you come to sit, so, so first of all, let's say there are no bad habits We could say, bless you, habit itself is not wholesome. The, the very notion of habit is bad, whatever that means. And actually, there are no good habits either. Because every habit, almost by definition, is not really the way you want to live. You, you don't want to live in a habitual state, either what we think of as good 
or what we think of as bad. We just want to live in the present moment. And so when you, even when you're trying to establish a sitting habit, sitting habit, maybe we should say a sitting practice. And the real practice is when you are ready to sit, you just sit. And you don't think, have I sat, you know, every single day at 11 o'clock, from 11 to 12, and then I'm on automatic pilot. So maybe when 11 comes along, it's not an appropriate time to sit. And so you make the decision, I'm not going to sit now. That's a sort of advanced practice. Some of us have to establish, you know, definite sitting times. That's okay. Just don't make it a habit. <laughs> does, does that make any sense? So we, we don't want to shut down on the present moment, at the freshness of each moment. Uh, There's a wonderful story that Carl Jung, and I like to repeat this every now and then, I really really respect and admire Carl Jung, uh, the genius uh, psychiatrist and philosopher and physician, and he likes to tell the story of what he he calls it the rainmaker. And this is a story that was told to him by a fellow, a German fellow named Wilhelm, who was the first to translate the I Ching into English. And he was in China. Wilhelm was in China. And they were in a, in a particular province in China, they were experiencing, experiencing a terrible drought, a long-term drought. Uh, plants were dying, livestock was starving to death. They were, they, it was really uh, distressing. People were, were becoming dehydrated, there wasn't enough water supply uh, for the town. And they tried all kinds of rituals to end this drought. Uh, each, each culture had a, you know, the Protestants had a certain way of dealing with it, and the Catholics had a certain way of dealing with it, and the Chinese had a certain way of dealing with it, and nothing worked. And someone had the idea that there was a, 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 a man, a little old man, in another province who was called the Rainmaker. And he was known, he was rumored to have this magical power of bringing rain. And so they recruited him to visit this drought area. And he arrived, this little old man, all wrinkled, and of course, they're all always little old men that are never little old women somehow. They're just little old men, we're all wrinkled and wise. And he, he, came, he exited his carriage and uh, 
sort of got the feel of the place, of this particular area. And he said, you know something? What I want is I want a little cottage on the, on the edge of town. And I want three days in that cottage. And I just want you to bring me some food. And um, just that's, that's it. And they, of course, respected his wishes and um, put him in the cottage, fed him. And after the third day, what do you think? The rains came. <laughs> and this, actually the snow came. And they had this wonderful, this amazing weather event. And he emerged from this cottage and the people of the town were all celebrating and someone asked him, you know, how, do you, how did you do this? What, you know? He said, well, I didn't do it. <laughs> I didn't create the rain. He said, all I did, I, I had the feeling that I was in a place that somehow was out of order. And I, I felt that if I remained in this place, I too would somehow be disordered. So I had to go and have three days to get myself in order, and then things just naturally happened as they should happen, as they typically do happen. And the rains came by themselves. I didn't create anything. I just got straight with myself. And so this, this is our practice, that we get a sense of what is needed, particularly when things are not quite right in our lives or the things that are around us in our environment. And then we come to this little this little cottage on the side of the the town and we get our heads put on straight you know we get back in order but that's what we do when we sit every time we sit we 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 get ourselves spontaneously freshly with in the present moment return to our true nature just as the rainmaker did and then things then things just flow as they do they just flow naturally okay so i've talked about right mindfulness and